Welcome to another episode of the Anything and Everything podcast. For this week's episode, I had a good friend of mine on, Saul Lopez, and he's a student at Swarthmore College. The reason I had Saul on is because uh, him and I, we think, uh, we think differently on politics, for, for lack of a better word, right? And with everything that's happened in, in the last couple of weeks, I felt like it was necessary for, uh, you know, I felt it was necessary to have him on and discuss, you know, a lot of the current events that we see right now. And, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I think with uh, our traditional media format, a lot of hot takes being given. So I felt it was necessary, you know, to have a, a, a long form discussion with him. And, you know, as you'll see, we disagree on a lot of issues. And we agree on some as well, and, and I feel like that's what uh, him and I both value, right? That even though we think differently on many, many, many things, that at the end of the day, dialogue is what's going to, you know, allow us to uh, become better, right? As Not only as individuals, but as a country. So, yeah, I just, uh, I wanted to speak to a little bit about that. As you guys are going to hear, you know, we get into some pretty serious uh, subjects. But, uh, you know, I just I just encourage you guys to keep an open mind, uh, listen to it from both sides. And and hopefully, you know, whatever, you know, side of, of the aisle you uh, lie on, that uh, this episode makes you think a little bit harder about what you uh, what you hold to be true. Right. And hopefully challenges your beliefs, you know, either being on the left or on the right. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy. And, um, you know, here you guys go. Saul Lopez. And we are live. Saul, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing great. I mean, thank you for having me, Eddie. It's been quite a while since we've spoken, since, uh, yeah, since, I guess, since we graduated from Cathedral back 2018. 2018. But it's nice, to, yeah, it's nice to, to you know, have a conversation with you. Um, yeah, it's it's great to see that you're you're doing great. Yeah, we well, we've exchanged a couple of, of DMs here and there on, on Instagram uh, in these last two years, kind of, uh, you know, kind of keeping up with each other, sharing, sharing our thoughts with each other. One would say that that goes back to our, uh, our high school days where we used to do it in person instead of on social media. Uh, but, exactly. you know, these are the times and this is the way we have to uh, communicate. But uh, Saul, tell us a little bit uh, about yourself. What are you doing? What do you study? Where are you at school? How's the pandemic treating you? What's up? Give, give yeah, us the yeah, rundown. Of yeah, of course. I mean, uh, well, I'm a student at Swarthmore College. It's a small college outside of Philadelphia. Uh, I study computer science and economics there. Um, and Good yeah, major. I've been here. Oh, my, yeah. Uh, my <laughs> major is computer science. <laughs> and I mean, I've been here back in my hometown in El Paso since March of this year because of the pandemic. Uh, my spring semester was cut short, unfortunately. Um, I had hopes of going back over the summer, but um, that never happened. So I stayed, I've been here in El Paso ever since. Um, I've had a couple trips to Mexico to see family um, and everything. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess like, like everyone, the pandemic has has definitely changed um, my lifestyle mm -hmm. in, in a in a big way. It's made me realize areas in my life that I could do better, others that I need to improve, mm -hmm. right? And um, but yeah, I mean, I try to keep a positive attitude because 
Mm-hmm. I mean, initially it was like very hard uh, because, you know, it's like, no, there's no hope for the future, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, you got to keep a positive attitude to keep moving forward during, during these um, very, very uncertain times. Yeah, no, and and that's that's been one of the themes, at least for the our first couple of episodes for uh, the podcast, where we've kind of touched upon the the mental health side of a, a pandemic, uh, just how to how how we need to take care of each other and all of that. But the reason for this podcast, and whew, this is going to be a heavy one. Uh, I feel like I feel like I may I I may end up getting in trouble for this one, but hey, you know what? We're here to have a a good okay. discussion. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, but sure. we are here to talk uh, politics, and and whew, are there a is there is there a lot a lot to talk about? And and do you remember when we used to talk politics back in back in cathedral? Yeah, no, it's and, and it it seems like the 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 stakes <laughs> have only risen, and and now it feels like we have so much so much stuff going on it feels like when we were talked about it at, in, in high school uh, it was much simpler uh, to discuss these issues and they were a lot more uh, dichotomous in a certain extent but yeah so the reason I had you on Saul is you're more uh, left thinking than I am and like I've said previously here I'm more right thinking right so the the point of this is to be able to talk about, you know, uh, current events that, you know, we all read about, see about on the news. But I feel like a lot of the times we only see one side's perspective on it and, and exclusively that one side. And I feel like this discussion today is, is an opportunity to, you know, not only hear what we've already heard, but hear the back and forth between two people who believe in, in free and open discussions, believe in, in free speech, but disagree on other issues. At the end of the day, I feel like, um, you know, I, I, I heard today, I was listening to a podcast and the old ACLU uh, tagline, right? Where it was, I may disagree with you. Uh, I, might, I might disagree with what you say, but I'll die for the right for you to say it, right? So uh, that, that's what we're trying to get to here, right? We're going to disagree and we're going to disagree a lot and it might get a bit heated, but at the end of the day, that's fine. It's part of it. It's right. politics. It's part, part um, of the discussion. It's, it's part, part of, of yeah, it's, it's part of the discussion and there's no hard feelings. At the end of the day, uh, like I said in the previous episode, uh, you know, I'm going to gain something from talking to you and listening to you and you're going to gain something. And, and the listeners listening to this, you guys are going to gain something being like, oh, I, I, I didn't know that. And then if you're right thinking, you know, you're going to listen to Saul and be like, oh, wow, I, I didn't think of that. I, I, didn't, I didn't see it that way. And then if you're left-leaning, you're going to listen to something that I said, and you're going to be like, oh, wow, well, that, that makes sense. I didn't think of it that way. And, and like I've said previously, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. And you know, this is just a discussion trying to search for that, right? So our first topic, and obviously the one that that's everyone has been talking about, is the election, the 2020 elections that had mm-hmm. uh, right now uh, Joe Biden is the projected winner uh as uh the president of the united states and uh saul i'm gonna leave it to you man i'm, I'm you go off go off on, on what you have to say <laughs> well uh first of all i want to thank you for um actually acknowledging that joe biden is the projected winner uh thanks because uh <laughs> <laughs> i know it's been a little bit i mean for certain people it's been a little bit of a controversial issue mm-hmm. recently acknowledging 
the fact that Joe Biden has been projected to uh, win the the election. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the main topic I've been I mean following right now is is the accusations of fraud mm-hmm. that the Trump campaign has made towards the Joe Biden campaign. Yeah, um, I've been following the lawsuits. Um, several of the uh, quote unquote evidence that they've raised um, of voter fraud. And I just want to say that I, I'm not here to dispute that evidence. I'm not here to say, hey, that's, that didn't happen. Um, mm. But what I, from what I've seen, um, my main claim is going to be that um, those, those little issues that have happened across the country with vote counting and um, with, the, with the Dominion software and several other mm-hmm. issues, um, I don't, I just don't see that, that I, I just don't see that as evidence of widespread, mm-hmm. of a widespread conspiracy to, mm-hmm. to, to steal the election as the Trump campaign has, has claimed, mm-hmm. um, they've brought the issue to court. They've not been successful so far. And I just think that that goes to show that there's no like widespread evidence of voter fraud. I feel like these mm-hmm. independent errors they happen in every election especially in elections of this magnitude mm-hmm. where millions and millions and tens of millions of votes are being counted there's bound to be errors in the counting which i mean are supposed to be corrected right away that's why there's auditing processes that's mm-hmm. why there's recounts um it's it's all a matter of like statistics right of like realizing that Although there are these errors, they won't, they wouldn't have made a difference in the outcome, right? Yeah, um, yeah, and and uh, just to jump in on a couple little points there, um, yeah. like I said, projected winner, obviously not not the certified winner yet. I know you're gonna be mad about me yeah. for saying that, but um, no, no, I agree, I agree with you. I agree. He's he's definitely there, there, he's there's, not no, certified. there's no there's no there's uh, no there's no statute in the constitution that says because the media projected you're a winner, you're automatically the winner. Uh, it but exactly. But exactly. everything, but but it's I mean in politics you have to learn to win and learn to lose, and 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 in that case you know all all signs point to Biden winning, and and it doesn't it takes you know it, it that's not a that's not hard to see. There'd have to be, you know, large tallies um, turned over uh, for Trump to be able to take over that uh, th- those margins in Georgia, Pennsylvania, uh, Ohio, uh, Wisconsin, stuff like that. So, uh, but going back to what you said about, you know, widespread voter fraud and what the Trump campaign is, uh, uh, the allegations they're making. You know, I don't know if you disagree with this, but I, I believe that the Trump campaign is in every right to make these uh, lawsuits and, and to present these lawsuits and to ask for, for recounts. And, and my only thing is that, uh, that they should be investigated and they should be uh, followed and, 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 you know, we should reach a conclusion on them because, you know, mm-hmm. think about it this way. If you're a Trump voter, all right, like, let's see if there was voter fraud. If there was voter fraud, let's see how many votes it's, it, it gives back to Trump, right? I'm of the of the opinion that thinks that, okay, if there is, there's not going to be enough votes for him to, you know, get over the top in the states that he needs to win. All right, like that's that's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, as a, a but for example, for a Biden voter, 
I don't understand the, I guess, the apprehension towards these investigations, right? If you're a Biden voter, wouldn't you want, you know, these investigations to go through and find that, hey, there was a little bit of voter fraud, but all in all, it was clean and your candidate won cleanly. And then you can be like, all right, well, there's nothing to say then, right? So at the end of the day, I think these these investigations and and these allegations have to be... uh, have to be followed through and investigated and then given a given a clear uh, decision on them um again, the allegations that trump campaign is giving are, are really big and for really big allegations you need to you need to give really big evidence you know so let's see the exactly. evidence let's see what happens you can't just make um you can't just make claims for claim's sake and and you know that's that's my point of view where we just have to wait and see what happens what what it is that that gets decided what it is that gets investigated I just don't think we have to jump the gun and say the election is over when there's still uh, judicial proceedings exactly. that that have to go through, right? And and I make I make this an this analogy or you know how I started this podcast where the the truth lies somewhere in the middle, right? Uh, and and we can go back to 2016, right, where Russia collusion was a big thing and, and Russia collusion was a big story, right? And on the left, you had Russia rigged it and Russia, uh, you know, rigged it for Trump, and that's why Trump won. And on the right, you had, oh, no, there's no such thing as Russia collusion. That's just made up. It's a false story, fake news, right? Well, you know, the truth fact of the matter is that it lies somewhere in the middle, right? Was there collusion by foreign governments? Probably. Were they trying to interfere in, in U.S. elections? More than likely, they were. Did they flip some people because of Facebook bots and Twitter bots and all of that? Probably. Is it to the point that it moves an entire election? No. Is it to the point that it doesn't exist at all? No. Let's apply that same logic to voter fraud. Let's go to the left. Oh, there's no such thing as voter fraud. Voter fraud doesn't exist. Let's go to the right. Widespread voter fraud is a huge conspiracy. No, it's somewhere in the middle. Is there voter fraud? Yes. Is it to the point that it's going to change hundreds and thousands of votes? As of right now, no, because the the evidence just hasn't been presented, right? And I think that's one of the things where, at least for for a conservative, it's... it's, uh, it's a little bit uh, irritating to see the left reaction of, oh, well, Trump has to concede. He has to concede now. Like, why hasn't he conceded when for the past four years, you know, the Democratic Party and the establishment has been saying that his presidency was illegitimate because of Russia when the Mueller report found that there was no interference by Russia. So it's kind of this things where it's like, you know, I, I like to I, and I tell a good friend of mine who I talk to politics about it, too. You have to play this what about game with yourself right when you're in politics right Mm -hmm. when something happens to your party you have to think about okay what what about if the left did this right what if the left did this how would i feel right and most of the time you should feel the same way on what if the left did this what if the right did this so you know you're being logical right and it's one of those things where you know they're it's the right's kind of looking at being like hey well you know you guys have been out here claiming you know trump's presidency was illegitimate from the get-go because of russia and now and and you know and now it's our turn i'm not saying it's correct you know i'm not saying it's correct the right's response yeah. to it but i'm just saying that's kind of one of the irritating factors yeah. behind what's going on i think i think you touched upon some really important points i think um right the that point of the fact that the some several members of the democratic party um in in congress in the senate um, they they pushed this narrative of the of the Russia collusion and and they and and investigating it and you know it was investigated nothing was nothing substantial was found 
Um, and ultimately, Trump was impeached for a separate issue, not the mm -hmm. Russia collusion issue. Exactly. But, uh, you know, personally, I'm speaking from my own standpoint. Um, I, I mean, I never fully subscribed to that idea of mm -hmm. that Russia collusion definitely influenced the 2016 election in a in a way like in a substantial way like mm -hmm. i i mean it's a, it's a fact that they definitely try to interfere yeah yeah you know, they try to interfere through you know social media and everything right that's uh several uh international powers try to do that like china and russia just um, as we do with other countries too yeah. <laughs> exactly right and it, it's like it's the it's the fact that we are so we're we're so interconnected world with mm -hmm. social media that you can reach people in other countries not even like being here right so mm -hmm. that's um right so what i wanted to touch upon was um the fact that i think like today's uh the today's issue with the trump campaign like the issue i have with it mm -hmm. isn't necessarily that they're raising their uh that they're raising like these complaints and they're making these allegations right i mean they're they're such huge allegations but the fact that they're not backing these big allegations with with the evidence right that that they need to make that type of, of mm -hmm. claim and because the evidence that they're raising is evidence of independent counting issues right mm -hmm. and people when they see that on facebook when they see trump retweet a article from breitbart that says hey there is this whistleblower whistleblower in michigan that um said that a bunch of trucks showed up at the night after the election night but she didn't see what the trucks had but they probably had votes for biden and people like start circulating that type mm -hmm. of article and they believe it they're like look this is the evidence like look it's 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 undisputable evidence mm -hmm. but right that evidence does not demonstrate right it hasn't held up in court they presented it and you know it's you just can't make that type of, of claims, right? Of like saying these, like the, that Biden received 5 million unlegitimate votes. Well, right? not, 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 like that, that, you, is, not right? that you can't make them, but that if you're going to make them, you need to have the, the sufficient oh, yeah, yeah, evidence yeah. There's to, consequence. Yeah. yeah, you have yeah, to, yeah. you have to have the evidence to back it up. I think on this, we're, we're really uh, on agreement on it, that if you're going to make these type of, you know, allegations, which are huge, you better uh, bring the evidence to back it up, right? And and to, yeah. and to the point right now, it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened. Like yeah, yeah. And another thing that you said, right, that, you know, Biden is the projected winner. I agree. He is not certified. That I agree with as well. Just like in every modern election since the dawn of the, of the, of the media, right? Mm -hmm. um, the media has always projected the winner before the electoral college cast their votes. Mm -hmm. They did that in 2016 with Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. He happily took the title of president-elect. Although, just, I don't know if, if um, yeah, most people don't know this, but president-elect isn't even an official term in the Constitution. It's just yeah. a term made up by just the media. A term made up. Mm -hmm. uh, the term they've been using to identify the projected winner, right? Mm -hmm. And they, they just, they're doing, like the media is doing the same exact thing that they did with Donald Trump. Trump back in 2016, they're doing it with Joe Biden. Like they're yeah. applying the same logic, right? Based on the, the preliminary data of election night and the week following election night and the, and the counting of the votes, they're able to project that Biden 
is with um, very high probability, he's probably going to be the the winner, right? When it comes to mm-hmm. when the electoral college casts their votes. So when people say that the media, right, is colluded with the so-called like the left, right, like this boogeyman, the left, and that they they're trying to push this narrative that president that Joe Biden is the elected president. Um, I just think that's really misleading. I think mm-hmm. that's, I mean, they have a right to say that type of theory, but I just think like saying that type of stuff is just, I mean, it's a type of narrative Donald Trump and his campaign has been pushing. I just think it's very irresponsible because I mean, the media is doing exactly what they did back in 2016. Um, and oh, another, like another thing, right? When I say, when I mentioned the left, I'm not talking about the Democratic Party. I'm talking about, it, it includes the Democrat Party. It mm-hmm. also includes people of, you know, left-leaning ideologies. I just mm-hmm. want to make that distinction because I think also we've been having these discussions like Republican and Democrat and left and right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we should distinguish that those are two separate things. Like yes. they, the one, like one has, one is ideologies, one is parties. Because I exactly. think that's another thing that people mix a lot. No, I, I, I agree. And and I think, you know, with that narrative that you said that the, that Trump and the Trump campaign is pushing, um, I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to be out here and defend it, but, uh, and a huge but, but uh, he, you know, like we said, he's a projected winner, but I think in Trump's mind and the Trump's campaign mind, they still, they feel like they have the evidence to turn this election around. Now, if, if, if that's right or if that's wrong, we don't know yet, right? But, you know, him pushing this narrative or anything, I think it's, it's uh, you know, he's in his right to do so. Uh, you know, he's in his right to say that, uh, to, to exercise his right to recounts, to, put, to push for uh, investigations and, and once, and, and here's my hope as as a, as a conservative is that once he he pushes through these uh, investigations and and they go through and if they find something if they if they don't right but say if they find they find something but not to the extent that he thinks and Biden is, is and now it's clear you know that there was no uh, that there was no uh, you know uh, conspiracy or collusion that okay then hopefully he concedes and okay I lost. We went through the legal process that that I'm allowed as a candidate, and all right, okay, I lost. My issue would be that as soon as you know all those investigations was through, and he doesn't concede, then that'd be like, all right, dude, like it's politics. You have to learn how to win. You have to learn how to lose. But right now, you know, you're 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 um, gasping at the last straws to see if you have a chance. So in his mind, he probably in his mind and the Trump campaign mind, they probably, they probably feel like they can still win it. So they're not going to concede and they're in their right to do that. And I don't think it's, it's, it's misleading to a sense, you know, we still have investigations pending that, that will hopeful that will hopefully find that nothing big happened. Right. As Americans, I think we all want that, but in terms of it being misleading, I think what you, what you said about, you know, him retuning a Breitbart article about something like that, you know, uh, when you said that, I thought about the saying that says that the, a lie travels around the world uh, three times before, you know, the truth even has like time to get out. Right. So, you know, to that extent, you know, that's into a larger issue of, you know, social media and clickbait and all of that stuff. And obviously the president hasn't done anything uh, to help his case in that sense. 
right with his retweets and all of that but you know i'm kind of on the side of where biden's a projected winner but we have to let these investigations carry their course once these finish and you know there's no wrongdoing found hopefully then okay concede take your loss as a man but as of right now he feels like he hasn't lost so it's okay for him to fight you know and and by the way by the way i forgot to add this right because you're talking about like the investigations and stuff so mm-hmm. the, the Trump campaign, I think this is very, a very interesting fact. I think mm-hmm. I thought it's very, it's very, very funny. Uh, the Trump campaign sends, has been sending emails to their, to their base, right? Their, their voters uh, asking them for donations to keep on the legal fight, right? Mm-hmm. To keep on investigating. But if you read the fine print on those donations, about 60% of those donations either go directly to um, like the Trump campaign to fund its expenses, not legal expenses, but just mm-hmm. traveling and everything. And the other part just goes to the RNC, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, right? Yeah, that but that, that's, either, but that, that's, right? that's like, getting into the, the, the swamp of politics. I mean, that, that's, that's getting well, into the, <laughs> The, the swamp it's of things. It, tie, it ties back into the narrative right that they're painting they're, they're telling their followers hey hey hey, we're fighting we're fighting for to to make this electoral process cleaner like please donate money to us so we can make this cleaner right we're, we're fighting for you we're fighting to to for justice and the reality is like the the legal cases that they've been pursuing aren't even related to achieving like just they it's they're been i think one of the recent uh, legal battles that they won, quote unquote, was um, they managed to discount a certain amount of votes in in Philadelphia mm-hmm. because they were corrected. They were corrected after the deadline. So like someone messed up their their uh, ballot, and so Pennsylvania law right said that you could. They gave you a two day extension to fix any issues with your ballot because mm-hmm. if there's issues, they don't count it, right? But they like, you know, that law seems equitable, right? Like, hey, give me at least, a, give me a chance to know that I did something wrong so I can correct it. So they didn't find any like fraud in there. They just, the, the, the Trump campaign said it's unconstitutional for the governor to give a two-day extension to correct the votes, well, which like, yeah, no. just, you just discounted the votes of like, legal voting people voters. yeah exactly. no and, i i i, I and hear you what see, you're and saying you claim that as a win you claim that as a win for the no. for the legal fight right you're no, like i i, I hear it's got the 3000 legal votes i i right? hear what i hear what you're saying and and i think you know this thing about donations and everything i think that's that's more of a sidebar than anything you know cuz you know he has you know uh followed or or pushed through a lot of uh, different lawsuits in in different states and you know very few of them have returned anything yet so i think it's you know let's wait and see what those investigations find out let's hope that you know it's good news you know that there's not there wasn't some sort of conspiracy that which i doubt um but at the end of the day you know this thing about donations and everything is i think it's it's a sidebar to the actual issues right which is which is all right, like, let's get to the bottom of this, you know, as as, as Americans, we should want to get to the bottom of this and just be like, hey, you know what, like the system still works, right? The system still works. Yeah. Our elections are still good. Um, you know, uh, with but how you said at the beginning, elections of this magnitude, of course, there's going to be a small percentage of, of, of fraud, right? That's, it's bound to happen. There's no way to have it at zero, right? 
well, let's make sure we minimize those risks and let's make sure we get to the, let's make sure we get to the bottom of it. And that's what I think that, you know, I think the rhetoric of, of, of Trump and the Trump campaign doesn't help, but that should be the messaging, right? That should be the message. That should be the message. That should be the message that they and, transmit. But, and that's like the way you just said. And that's in that, you know, and that gets to a much greater issue, right? That's been my issue with the Trump campaign and Trump as in general, right? Because his policy is, is a plus, but his, 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 his Twitter, what he says doesn't help him. You know, if he would just shut up and, and, and do what he does, he would have won in a landslide. But this election became, uh, and, and I always told people, that if, if it becomes this, and, and it's what the Biden campaign tried to do and su- 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 successfully did, is that this, this election became referendum not on, on policies, but on Trump's character, right? right? And it doesn't help his legacy. Yeah. Like, like, it doesn't help his legacy at all. Like, I think he, you know... He was gonna leave like some kind of legacy, right? But it doesn't help help him, like. Well, this, well, uh, I think I think his legacy, you know, in terms of policy, uh, will will remain, you know, with some of the stuff he's done. I just think that you know the way this campaign was run, uh, he couldn't stop shooting himself in the foot, and you know, to 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 the credit of of Biden of Biden's campaign, they they turned it into a, a referendum on his character, right? They said vote for Uncle Joe, the the calm, nice old man, instead of this mean orange old man who said this, this and that, who does this, this and that. If this would have become just a, a campaign on policy and and what has happened and the good that has happened, you know, Trump would have won. You know, I think pretty easily, right? You had you had a poll that came out, I think, a week or two weeks before the election. That said, sixty percent or sixty-five percent of Americans says they were better off now than they were four years ago. You know, in any other presidential election, that leads to a landslide victory. That leads to a landslide. That leads exactly. to a landslide. But that's but that's what I'm saying. It became this election became a referendum on Trump the person, right? And and you know, you can go to your never Trumpers and your hardcore Trumpers who will defend this guy, but conservatives at the end of the day are going to find it really hard to defend Trump the person. Right. I'm I appreciate not, I appreciate you for 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 distinguishing right yeah, between I'm, like conservative like a conservative ideology. And yeah, like I'm not I'm not like I'm not person, gonna right? I'm not gonna sit here and and you know defend defend you know his actions right and his tweets right. If it was up to me, I'd log him out of Twitter and and throw his phone you know down the toilet right. That just make everyone's life better right. But obviously that's not in the cards. But you know, at the end of the day, I voted for policy and I voted for his policy, right? I voted for his conservative policy because at the end of the day, for a conservative like myself, as hard as it was to vote for him, you weren't voting for him as a person, right? It, uh, the, 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 his character was already baked into the pie, right? You knew what you were getting. You knew you were going to get a stupid comment, a stupid tweet, that was going to make the news for three to four days. You knew you were getting that. What you were voting at for as a conservative was, all right, who, do he, who does he appoint? Who are his policymakers? Uh, you know, what is he doing? And on that sense, he did amazing. And, and as a conservative, you know, his policy was A1. And if people really want to see what a Trump campaign should have looked like, just look at the vice presidential debate, right, where Pence was all was all policy and didn't, you know, because uh, the presidential's uh, debates went off to Mr. Trump, you said this, Mr. President, you said this, you said that, what do you think about, you know, 
But when it came down to policy, which the vice presidential debate came down to, you see that it's very hard to hit uh, the Trump administration on that issues because they pushed for really good uh, economic policy, foreign policy, uh, you know, defense policy, just, you know, on everything, at least in my, and, and, you know, we can get into um, differences in policy, but in that case, it was, he was just, he was good, but this election became a referendum on him as a person. And if it became that, and it became that he was going to lose. And that, and that's just the, the reality of it. Well, I don't think you, I don't think you'll, I don't think you'll dislike Joe Biden that much then. Because in my opinion, like, although people, uh, conservatives, like, I'm not saying all conservatives, right? When I say conservatives, it's just some conservatives that I've spoken to have labeled him as like a left-wing radical communist uh, socialist, right? In my opinion, he is, I mean, he's very representative of, of Obama era policy, right? And that is very neoliberal policy. And yeah, yes. in my opinion, that's like, center very very center yes well policy well he was he was picked as as the nominee because he was the most moderate one out of the the candidates that that wanted to secure the nomination for the party right the the main uh reason that i think you know you know conservative friends you've talked to would have that thinking is that the shift in the democratic party right they knew that they weren't going to win this election if they trotted out, you know, uh, a Bernie Sanders, if they trotted out a Kamala Harris, for example, right? They knew that uh, those two uh, candidates and, and practically most of the candidates that ran for the nomination would not hold up to the common American voter, right? So they had to go with someone they know, someone who is, you know, who has shown history of being moderate, the fear now with with him being elected is that you know Biden is no longer the Democratic Party, right? He he is he's only a fill-in for what the Democratic Party wants to achieve, right? He's only there because he's the only candidate that would allow would allow them to win, right? But you look at vice president, right? A vice president elect Kamala Harris, right? She was the most left-wing voter in the Senate. You look at the people that are looking for the cabinet. That's where you kind of get into, oh, well, you'll like Biden. He's a moderate. But then it's like, well, actually, he's just holding. He's just he's just a holder in place for for just how radical the Democratic Party wants to go. I I like that you brought this issue up. It's an issue I've been reflecting on a lot, Mm -hmm. Um, especially with some of um, some of my friends in college. Um, But. You know, I think, I mean, I, I appreciate your perspective on the issue. I have a, a like, kind of the opposite of what you said, right? That, mm-hmm. um, you know, Joe Biden is, you know, they, I, I agree with you. They, the Democratic Party chose him. Like, they, that establishment, they, they chose him to, to represent the party in the presidential election because they thought, hey, this person won't seem too radical Let's 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 try to make him reach across the aisle. Let's try mm-hmm. to make him go with this message of unity, right? But I think, in my opinion, right, I think that that doesn't help the Democratic Party. In my opinion, that just mm. like historically, I think there's been several Democratic candidates who 
attempted to do that. And every time, I think like most of the time that has led to the Democratic Party like losing, losing. Like um, reaching across the aisle? Seats. Yes, because look, every time, look, every time. So I think the state of politics in the U.S., it's very like both parties in terms of the, their establishment ideologies, not the ideology of the people they support, but the establishment mm-hmm. ideologies mm-hmm. are both very similar in terms of policy. They're, they're kind of center, what they end up doing, not what they tell you they're going to do, what they end up doing. Mm-hmm. So they're both very center when you compare them to other Western countries like Europe. But uh, they, what, what they're trying to do is that, hey, let's not seem too radical. Let's reach across the aisle. Let's, let's, let's tell these other voters that they can come with us, right? But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, as a conservative yourself, would you vote for a hardcore conservative or a softcore conservative? Because if you have, you're going to go for the actual conservative. You're not going to go for the guy who's like, hey, I, I understand your perspective. Uh, let's, let's, let's have some unity here. You're not going to go, as a conservative, you're not going to go for the, that's why they, that's why they fail both. They fail to switch voters to the Democratic Party and they lose Democrats who are more left-leaning, right? And they're like, you just gave us, you, I mean, you just, you just gave us, like you, you forgot about us mm-hmm. in order to reach for other voters on the other side of the spectrum. And, you know, they call that compromise, right? And I think, you know, there's th- different opinions on this, right? That that's positive or that's negative. But, you know, if you see the Republican Party, they've been pretty, like, since Trump, you know, I think their popularity has risen because they've been clear with their ambitions, with their conservative ideologies. They're like, they're clearly conservative ideologies. With the Democratic Party, there's several representatives who are left-wing. You know, you can say Elon Omar, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. They're very popular in the Democratic Party, but the establishment of the Democratic Party they don't want them. Adopt their. They don't want them. They don't adopt their. The establishment. I'm talking about Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they don't adopt their, mm-hmm. their policy. Well, so, well, I I think that it's interesting you brought that up, but the reason I think they don't adopt their ideology is because it's not. Uh, and and I think we may disagree on this, but I think it's because it's not popular ideology you know i think the reason that they're the the establishment and it's one of the points we said we wanted to talk about you know how the what happens to the democratic party from this election right because it it really has an internal battle right where you have you know the establishment the moderates and then you have you know the the left you know the actual left and and i think it's only a matter of time you know before the squad and the left takes over but i would argue that they're more popular I would argue that they're more no, popular. and they are no, the, they are no, and yeah. I, I agree with you. They they are more popular, and it's only a matter of time before they take over the Democratic Party. But I think that them that the reason that the establishment isn't isn't letting them take over yet, and the reason they ran Joe Biden as a candidate is essentially you know what we just saw in these elections is that that ideology is not popular and is not something that the American people want, and the reason yeah. is that you know a lot of their ideology is is uh, rejecting core american values right shared principles across the aisle that define americans and i feel like that's one i'd of the- like to, to talk more about that actually i think that's a very interesting point because you know what you said is a lot of people are scared of of the ideology of uh, or they they uh 
they don't like the idea mm -hmm. of these um, self-declared democratic socialists, right? Um, you know, achieving more power. But I'd like to, to like, I don't know, I want to ask you, like, what specifically do you think in their ideology is like scary and what is like incompatible with, with them? with quote unquote American ideology uh, American principles. Well, n not that it's uh it's it's the rejection of it, not that they uh, they hold principles that that uh are completely contrasting. But you know, they they say they won't, but you know, they reject free speech while trying to silence conservative voices. Um you know, that's that's an obvious and clear one where, you know, I've I've it's very hard to find a left uh, or one of those people under those ideologies. I said, what should we uh, name left? Left is ideology, uh, liberal left, left, uh, left. Yeah, they're left. definitely left wing. Okay, yeah. so so you know it's very hard to find uh, people that that, and I'm not saying they don't exist, but it's hard to find you know people under the left wing ideology that will fight for the right to 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 speech of a conservative person. You know, it's very hard to find that, you know, that's why, you know, we have the phrase now of cancel culture, right, where you can get struck down for something you said a couple years ago, right, and right now, it seems like, you know, the only ideology, and, and, and this is the part where it's, it's, it's kind of uh, concerning, right, because, because liberal, classic liberalism was always about freedom of speech, and, and, and general freedom, but now, you know, we get to a point where it's it's mainly conservatives that not only are having their, you know, rights uh, to freedom of speech infringed upon, but that they're also fighting for other people's rights to speak. And then they get castigated as, oh, you're a racist, you're a homophobe, you're all of this. When all they want to say is, hey, like you have a right to free speech. That's a shared principle in this country. Right. You know, the 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 Constitution, the Bill of Rights, that's where our shared principles lies. Right. I think another one I can go to is this idea that uh, America is systemically racist, right? Where America has always been racist and will, will, that it needs a purging of white people to stop being racist, right? That it was founded on, on racist values and that we are currently living them right now. And to that, it's like, you know, was, you know, it's, it's one of these things where, uh how we had said before we started recording right it's it's a tricky subject to get into right but here's kind of the simple way to look at it right are there racists in america yes there are just like there's racists in the whole world but the institution of america in of itself with the prosperity it's given to all people albeit recently you know since the civil rights in the 60s and and it's one of those reasons why and and it's funny i like touching upon the 60s and i like touching upon uh, Martin Luther King, because the reason that I say that they that this leftist ideology battles with uh, shared American values is because this was, you know, in the 60s, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he used what uh, I like to call common humanity politics, right, where you in, instead of dehumanizing your opponents, you humanize them and then appeal relentlessly to their humanity, right? So something that, you know, Martin Luther King did on in the March to Washington was uh, instead of rejecting American values and, and, and what they mean, and this is something that Frederick Douglass did as well, you know, with his uh, 4th of July speech where he says, I don't celebrate this day. This day doesn't include me, right? Um, 
what what they were doing was saying, hey, these are the promises that America was built on, right? Martin Luther King Jr. is famous for saying, hey, I am here to fulfill the promise that was made to all Americans, right? I'm here to- Can I ask said, you a question, Eddie? Yeah, what's up? Uh, do you believe that there's systemic racism in the U.S. or that there has been? I mean, it's it's have is there racist people in the U.S.? Yes. Is there top-down systemic racism in some instances where maybe the the system is skewed and and there's instances of white privilege? Yes, that it's a an overbearing issue how we make it today. I don't think so, because you know right now it's the U.S. is the freest country in the world where, you know, and arguably one of the the best, most free, prosperous country in in the history of mankind, and you know, this comes from the institution of, of the constitution and, and what, uh, what it means to be American. And the reason why, you know, leftist ideology isn't popular is because they reject these things, right? They reject these, uh, these, uh, these values that we hold dear, right? Where they want to castigate America as terrible, as wrong, as racist, as, as founded on wrong, on wrong uh, principles, right? Which is why I always like going to Martin Luther King, right? Because he, he never did that, right? He took the principles of the US and said, I'm deserving of these two, right? Yeah. And I mean, you've touched upon, I think, a perspective that I respectfully disagree with, right? I, I, um, I am a firm believer that you know, American institutions were founded um, as systemically racist. And because like, if you, if you study history, right, if you look at historical facts, if you look at the fact that, you know, um, even like right before slavery, right? No, yeah, no. And I think, you know, you know uh, the black community was put right in, back into uh, yeah. uh, an incarceration system, which was basically them being slaves. And then you have, this, uh, you have all these, this system of Jim Crow, right? Which was yes. a very widespread system. It did, just didn't happen in the South. I think it happened like mm -hmm. across the whole country where these institutions, right? were finding ways to get around these, right? New laws of inclusion to, to implicitly or sometimes not very obviously discriminate against black people, right? And this, these institutions that were specifically built to do this in my opinion, they did not magically disappear once Jim Crow was said to be. No, like, they, no, they didn't disappear in fifty no, years. No, like, no, they did not. Remnants of that. There, there's and remnants like, of that, and and you know, I'm not trying to ignore history of the U.S. Um, you know, trying to ignore you know the times of slavery, the times of Jim Crow, the civil rights issues. That that's not what what's intended here, right? What I'm trying to say is that we need to take you know the the constitution put in place a, a, a steps for the abolishment of slavery, right? There was reasons that, you know, it, and it was a high point of contention, right? In the creation of the constitution, obviously that does not justify slavery, right? And that does not justify what followed, right? My thing with systemic racism as a whole right now, as it stands in 2020 is that, okay, you know, as a conservative, it's all right. Tell me the 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 show me the racist. Like show me the instance. I'll it, show it, you. I'll show it, you. I, you, want, you want me to bring in like I can bring you like a 
so a recent in my statistics class like we recently saw you know because there's a lot of claims that there's a wage gap between white men and black men Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are like, well, that's explained because, you know, there's differences in educational attainment, differences in occupation, right? It, when you run a statistical regression on the wages, right, that black men earn and white men earn, when you control for education and occupation, mm-hmm. there's still a 10% gap. How do you explain that? I mean, how would you explain that ten percent gap in are, in, our, are, in today's world? Like, but are, there's are we something gonna, going on. Are, but are we going to place that on systemic racism, or could it be a whole lot of variables? I mean, that's the thing. Systemic. It's because it's because here's part, the issue. Right? But like here's the issue, though. But here's the issue. It's because you can't use a blanket statement just to cover all the issues, right? There's a lot of different variables that can lead to a whole lot of different issues, right? You know, I can you know what, what could be a good we're example we're talking across a whole population okay no and i get that right? i i get that right but as the same as we're talking about you know i think you said it was males right male african-americans or was it all african-americans Ma- male Afri- male male black men mm-hmm. uh against uh white men okay but that's what i'm saying though there's it's it's because my issue is with using a blanket statement to cover what could be a whole lot of different issues, right? Right. Is is but here's the thing, right? Is some of those some of those uh disparities in wages are some of those racism? More than likely, yes. But to categorize all of them as look look at this information, look at how this is systemic racism. I think you know, in 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 statistics, especially, right. You don't just take a broad sweep of something and say, oh, it's this one issue, right? No, there's certain variables and factors that tie into each thing, right? In some of those, racism will be the case because there are racist pe- racist people in the U.S. And See, those people should be threaded thing. out of society. That's the thing. Like systemic racism, I think, means much more than just saying like, oh, this is due to systemic racism. Like we're not trying to say hey, this is due to a, a, a boogeyman racist in society, right? That's something that's racist in society, right? Systemic racism, when you acknowledge that there's systemic racism, you're acknowledging that there's some system in place that benefits, right? One demographic historically has benefited one demographic more than the other, right? In terms of access, maybe in terms of- um, But point out the system you know, though. Point like, out the overlarging yeah, system. Oh, in terms of access, okay. There's a lot of systems in American institutions. Like systemic doesn't mean just one a single system. It means I know. Like, for like, example, give me, give in college yeah. educate in college education, for example, if you look at the data, right? For some reason, um, there's less people of color, right? Proportionally, right? Proportional to their population, there's less people of color applying to college than white students right and why and might my, that be some is, people, that, is that systemic why racism that be, right so so but that can't is examine, that systemic racism or is that personal it, choices so, or is that see or is that a finite I think you know it would, very, it would be very naive to be like okay across the whole population that's just a personal choice like this whole demographic is just lazy right or something like that a lot of that's people make those claims that's that's right? wrong though but, that's wrong but yeah that's wrong right that's wrong but what you acknowledge there is like oh there's this gap, right? There must be, right? When you look at the data even more closely, there's been research on this. It's that there's a gap in terms of resource access. Like mm-hmm. it's not 
people don't even notice it, but it's there. Like there's some kind of but you get, but you get to this boogeyman. You were just you were, they, you were just talking about a boogeyman, and you were saying how oh well, they, they don't even see it, but it's there. You, you're explaining a boogeyman no, to it's me. It's an institution that they don't they don't know that. So, if explicitly, the system looks completely like the system looks, or the way that the institution works, it looks completely fair. No racism, right? It, it's illegal to but discriminate based on data, race. It's illegal, right? You can't explicitly do it, but sometimes when you examine like but sometimes there's a boogeyman sometimes there's there's a a very no 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 you you see like oh this specific policy has historically been a barrier to people of color accessing uh college educational resources so they can apply to the college okay if that's the case if that's the case if that's the case what's the policy so we can remove it Okay, look, I'll give you an example, right? This doesn't seem like a racist policy, but let's see. When, um, for example, during the Reagan era, the, the war on drugs, right? It, did, it was not a racist. It does not seem like a racist policy. It seems, we're, we're just having a war on drugs. We're just mm-hmm. going to implement laws that are harsh on drug consumers, right? On, or people that abuse drugs. But who's... What demographic has, at that moment was the demographic that was using that the most was targeted drugs. the yeah. most? Yeah, they were they were targeted and using the most drugs was people of color, mm-hmm. and they were targeted communities of color. Why was that? If you look at the data, drugs were being funneled into mm-hmm. these communities of color. So now, okay, but I'm speaking about now. Give, give me the policy up. now. Give me the policy now, so we can get rid of it. A policy, a policy that is a barrier. Yeah, that, that yeah. See that so there's a lot of research out there like there's many but it's policies but it's cuz you're discussed. telling it's cuz you're telling me many policies, many research and you're you're giving me this boogeyman, you know, of, of systemic okay, racism. As as I'll a conservative a as a conservative, I agree with everything you're saying. Everyone should have equal opportunity. And that's what the US is about, right? But you can't just say systemic racism and put a whole cloud and be like, "Oh, systemic racism here. Look at it." And then it's like, okay, how do we solve it? Like, give me something to solve. So we, because we both want to combat this. Like we, we do, we're not the against first it. Step, the first step, the first step, Eddie, is to acknowledge racism in, in place so that you can go and critically analyze American institutions and be like, hey, let's look at the data. Why are less people of color going through this institution than white people of color, right? Or white white people, right? Like why why is there that disparity, right? Like not like tackling those disparities using policy, right? Examining being like, wait, Saul, is it maybe because Saul, of this policy? So, but does does disparity mean racism? If there's a disparity in an institution, right? If there's a disparity, I don't think that was like there must be something that's causing it. And I'm not saying that Saul, it was Saul. The NBA is more than eighty percent black, and not a lot of white people in the NBA. Is that disparity of okay, racism? Okay, the data. Do do both black do both black and white men have the same access to? The okay, NBA? there we go. I bet they do. The, but that's what we're do. getting at. But that's what I'm. But that's what I'm getting at, though. Like, does disparity equal racism? You're telling me institutions. You're telling me analyze the disparity. I get you. Like, let's do that. Let's fight these races. Let's fight. If there's racist institutions that still exist out there, let's get rid of them. As far as I know, it's illegal to discriminate based off of race, right? 
Now, now, and, and that's important that you brought up a good point, right? All right, you know, is there the availability to the same type of resources? Is there uh, schools, all of that stuff? You and I agree on that wholeheartedly, that that is an issue that is not talked about enough and that has to be addressed, right? And that, but when mm-hmm. we get down to it, it's it's a lot of, it's, it's my issue with the term and, and what you're saying. I, I feel like we both want the same thing. We both want- Do you know the definition of systemic racism? Give I, it to like, me. Do you know? Give it to me. It's, so it's a form of racism that is embedded as the normal practice right, within a society or an organization, right? So it's embedded as a normal practice, all right? That's, that's why it's so So racism is embedded into the U.S. It's embedded into its institutions because when were, when were they designed, Eddie? They were designed 50, 40 years ago. What, where was I, where was, where was our society 50 years ago? We were still in Jim Crow. We were still in Jim Crow, Eddie. A large portion of our population didn't even believe in the integration of people of color in our uh, society. And that's Do you think terrible. that goes away in 50 years? Do you think if I had, a, if I was born here in the, like I was born in the U.S., but if my whole family would have generationally been here in the U.S., right, uh, 50 years ago. So we're still like fighting, my grandma we're still fighting Jim Crow that. then. We're still fighting Jim Crow laws then. Look, imagine if my grandma would have been uh, racist during Jim Crow and she passed on that ideology to my parents, my parents are going to pass it on to me. Do you think that's going to go away? Like in one generation? No, and it's terrible. Like that racism? No. Like it just magically like. But that's hey, people. Passing, but look, bro. we're agreeing on that. But we're agreeing on that's racist people, right? We don't, we don't, we both, both of us don't want racist people. But right? they created racist institutions. Okay. That look point like normal me, practice. Point me to the institution that practices normal practice so we can get rid of them. As far as I know, it's illegal to discriminate off of race. That, that's been it's the law of the land. Explicitly, you can't. Okay. You can't explicitly discriminate, but if okay. it's embedded as a normal practice, but yet, but yet, right now, but it's embedded. Or okay, again, you know, you're talking about this boogeyman, but here we are going back to it and going back to it and going back to it. I I would encourage you to look to look like look at this issue critically, like research on institutional racism, what it specifically means, examples of it today or ten years ago or twenty years ago, and look at the issues that a lot of these researchers, like these researchers aren't like these communes or socialists. They're economists. They are sociologists. They're anthropologists. They're very educated people that I don't think, like, I don't, I, they know what they're doing, right? So yes, but their, they're, they're trying to, conf- but, they're, but they're confirming their bias. And that's an issue in academia right now where they're trying to confirm their bias. And a lot of, it's because here's the thing, and we can agree on this, right? I can find a research that confirms my bias. You can find a research that confirms your bias, right? Right. That's, that's, that's a huge, I, I, for me right now, that's a huge issue in academia where a lot of, a lot of the research that's done is left ideology and they're going to try to find what they want to believe. Right. Why is it left? Why is like the, why do you think like academia is like, uh, that it's just left right now? Like what, uh, where's that talking point coming from? Well, right now I'm reading a book called uh, The Coddling of the American Mind. I, I, I uh, recommend people to read it. Uh, it talks mm-hmm. about how there's this culture of safetyism on uh, college campuses and how, uh, you know, this ideology of uh, cancel culture, not having uh, people of uh, differing viewpoints 
uh, on college campuses is uh, it's, it's seen more on the left than on the right. There are instances on the right, but it is seen because you have uh, staff members or, or faculty members trying to uh, succumb to uh, the woke uh, mob and to what they're saying and to what they want. And, you know, academia going left is that is not, I mean, I wouldn't even call it what a, is talking that a product of like, what, what is that a product of? Like, why do you think academia has gone left? Uh, in, it started around the 80, I think it was the nineties or 200 or two thousands. I was, re- I was listening to a podcast on it and I can't remember it exactly where they kind of, uh, pointed it out, but where, you know, universities were starting to, uh, tenure more people that were coming out of this, uh, left-wing ideology and the combating viewpoints or, or that idea of combating viewpoints was trickling out to where people who were more right-wing or conservative were being trickled out just because you didn't want to hear those viewpoints and this stuff about academia there's been there there's a there's this uh there's these three guys that um uh did uh i think it was 20 to 21 fake studies in academia that were made to confirm leftist biases and they won awards for these fake studies, right? They did a they did a study in Portland where they had, oh well, did a study, right? They made up the study, and they were in uh they were in Portland in a dog park, and they said that there was uh that rape culture among dogs is uh a microcosm of the rape culture that exists in men, right? They won an award for that. <laughs> You know, they won an award for those uh, studies. So it's, and then recently, uh, two days ago, uh, there was, there's an author called Abigail Schreier who uh, published a book on a a quick, I I might be butchering the term, but it's quick onset uh, gender dysphoria with young women and how it's, uh, and how it's hurting uh, young girls, right? Never is she saying that, hey, if you're, you know, if you're old and old enough and you want to, you know, have a sex change or anything like you shouldn't do it. No, she's like, that's fine. Her issue is with little girls and how they see, uh, you know, f- five to 15 years old, 14 years old, where they're in groups and one girl turns transgender and then they all try to turn transgender. And then just all the issues that come from that. Right. She published a book on this. Uh, it's been out for about a year and a half now. It's a great book. I can't remember the title of it, but I know it's on my reading list. And on Friday, a professor at Cal uh, said that they should burn the book down, that they should burn, burn the book, a transgender professor at Cal, that uh, people should go buy the book and then burn it because uh, it doesn't uh, go to their ideology. Did he give, right? a, did, did he give a reason why? Oh, man. Well, essentially that because it, it's, uh, it's, given a reason. it's misinformation. I mean, it's misinformation. That's what, that's what she was saying, that it's misinformation. right? I mean, yeah, I, I think. I think that's valid. From what you're telling me, that sounds valid, right? Valid Obviously, what? What you, what you just told me, like, it's something that, I mean, shouldn't, I mean, it's, it's someone doing research coming to a conclusion. Now, the conclusions that are drawn from those results, mm-hmm. um, right? Some people might have issue with them. I don't feel like they should be canceled like to that yeah. extreme where yeah, you yeah, yeah. told that cow professor they should be examined everything should be examined critically right and mm-hmm. i mean 
I don't know. I mean, I, I find it difficult to buy into the idea that there's this magically this wave of left-wing professors that is indoctrinating uh, college students. I just think that there is, for some reason, I'm not here to draw conclusions. There's a strong um, correlation between like level of education and what people label as a left-wing ideology. And when I, when I say quote-unquote hmm, left-wing yeah. ideology, it's because like examining something critically, like for me, like just asking, hey, is this institution racist? And doing the research, that isn't race, that isn't left-wing. Like that isn't, why does that have to label left-wing? A, a conservative can do it as well. Yeah, no, right? I agree. I, I feel like those aren't, or also like the canceled culture, that, I mean, although a lot, many people on the left-wing side, they, they practice it, right? I mean, is that representative of left-wing ideology per se? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I mean, you could also make, I could make the argument, hey, Fox News viewership, conservatives, they got pissed off because they used the term president-elect on Joe Biden, and now they're transferring their views to Newsmax. That means that they're cancel culture as well, right? I don't mm-hmm. make those claims, right? I don't make those claims because I'm like, you know they don't represent they probably don't represent the conservative ideology like they are conservative but they're not like they don't represent the whole ideology right yeah yeah yeah. and that's part of the issue on both sides like today a lot of people extrapolate one thing that a group of people did and or for example like something and then they're like oh the whole conservative base like they do this or the whole all the left wing they do this and I so, think that's... so, uh, Saul, just because I knew I had it uh, written down in my notes for, for the book I told you I was reading. But uh, yeah, yeah. Per, per the Washington Post, uh, 42% of, process, of professors identified as liberal or far left. And by 2014, that number had jumped to 60%. Over the same period, the number of academics identifying as moderate fell by 13 percentage points. And the share of conservative and far-right professors dropped nearly six points. In the academy, liberals now outnumber conservatives by roughly five to one. What's the agenda behind it? So, like, what would, what would let's say it is true that they're populating. Like, I, it is true, right? Like, most professors... I, I, don't think it, I don't think it's a populating. I don't think it's a concerted effort. I don't think it's an agenda. I just think it's... It's, it's just, you know, the... I guess... I, I wouldn't really even know how to describe it. I just don't think there's like a uh, an agenda behind, or I don't think there's a concerted effort. I just think it's happening. Like it's just something that's happening that's interesting to see. I'm not gonna sit here and be a cons- a conspiracy theorist and be like, oh no, it's people trying to uh, infiltrate academics and indoctrinate children. No, it's just. I'm I mean, glad. It's... I'm glad you didn't go that route. I no, no, no. Crazy. It's it's just it's just th- no, no, no. You know, I'm not that crazy. I'm crazy, but not no, that no. crazy. Um, no, it's just it's just it's. But it is something that's happening, right? And it is leading to our generation being more uh, left-wing, right? Because you know the teachers that they're having are more left-wing. That's just that's just the reality. Yeah. That, that's just the reality that's of valid. it. But, but I don't think it's any agenda or concerted effort. Um, I mean, maybe the teachers have some purpose they want to do, but I don't think it's like a concerted effort of everyone trying to be on the same page, trying to do the same, trying to do yeah. the same thing, you know. That'd be funny. All the colleges, all the college presidents, they got together. That'd be too many secret, people, man. <laughs> well, in the secret one world order. In the secret society. 
and, and then yeah. they like hey. Tell, hey let's populate it hey that just teaches us <laughs> that that big organizations yeah. like a uh, big government doesn't work yeah <laughs> right yeah, exactly because it's hard it's yeah, hard to do government. stuff like that big government exactly big, uh-huh. big, gov- big government's not not the not the solution man i'm telling you a lot of a lot of and this, i, I this, respectfully disagree this this goes out to all of my viewers though but if this pandemic doesn't show you how bad big government is then i don't know what is like this, I, I'm, I'm just letting y'all know like it's you want the government handling everything for you and see how they handle this and how they're handling uh, stimulus and how they're handling uh, everything else. Like I'm it's yeah. Where's the next stimulus? Like why did, couldn't they pass a stimulus? Well, a second stimulus bef- that, that is before, very, there's a lot of factors, right? But yeah, but before the election, uh, the Republicans submitted a bill and uh, Pelosi struck it down. Did it uh, include direct payments to the American people? It did, it did, and it Pelosi, did. Pelosi struck it down as a because she didn't want Trump to have a win before the election. Did she say that? I mean, I think politically. Well, yeah, she I didn't say that. Would, she doesn't say I that. Think that's a yeah. I think. But that's it's a political, political move. move. And I definitely yeah, I definitely disagree with with, the, with what she did because even I think AOC even came out and she's like, "Why wasn't this passed? Even if I don't, even I if I don't think this is enough, I think it should at least be passed." And Nancy Pelosi ignored. Well, like, actually, a lot of a lot of people who lost their seats in the House of Rep- Representatives say that uh, that cost them their their seat. Yeah, that, that cost them their seat. That, that, right? that hurt. That even, hurt. Like yeah, a lot of people, the they were like Nancy Pelosi. Like, yeah, she's she's a she's another one of the. Swamp. I can say she's establishment. She's, she's like another one of the swamp. <laughs> and I'm sorry to break it to y'all, but Biden's another one of the swamp. Like exactly. Like, like I mean, you know, it I, was when I yeah. voted for him. It wasn't it, with like joy and like I love Biden. It was like same thing here. It wasn't for joy when I voted for Trump. <laughs> like, but like I said previously, it's it's the it's the policies for me, right? The, yeah. I mean, look at the Middle East. For me, it's 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 because my one of my big issues is with the media, right? There's there's a reason I don't listen to CNN, and there's a reason I don't listen to Fox News, right? I listen to my own thing. I draw my own conclusions. For example, I will outright say it here. And if anyone criticizes me for it, go ahead. But I am a Ben Shapiro apologist, right? I listen to him every day. And the reason Ooh, don't tell me that. <laughs> and the reason I listen to him every day, well, I'd recommend you listen to him because because the reason I listen to him every day is because he t- he gives you the facts and what happened and what's being reported, and then he gives you his opinion. And then it's up to you to draw your own conclusions, right? And the thing that I like about it's him- It's good that he separates him. Yeah, and the thing that I like about him is that he is very clear where he's like, this is my opinion, right? I think the issue right now with CNN and, and Fox News is that they try to say that they're uh, unbiased news sources when they're not, you know? They each have their own, uh, their own bias that they're trying to confirm and they're trying to give to people, right? That's my issue, right? But have, what you, I was, have you seen the Have you seen the video- where um, Ben Shapiro is like criticizing Imagine by John Lennon. Have you seen the one by WAP? By WAP, uh, I haven't seen. It. He criticizes uh, WAP. Yeah, he, he, did, he WAP. does a. Yeah, it's he did a comedy, but at the end of one of his shows, where he reads <laughs> he reads word for word the lyrics to WAP, and like it, it it blew up. And the reason it blew up, and he like started laughing about it, is because left wing people started taking it seriously. And he was like, this was a joke. He was like, I'm literally like, I'm literally doing like a, a 10 minute comedy bit, you know, <laughs> like doing a bunch of jokes and it's hilarious. But, um, 
yeah it's like, the, the reason the reason i wanted to touch on that was because uh when you get to like foreign policy right trump has gotten a lot of wins on it but you don't hear anything about it you, you it's it's completely quiet right because because that's the issue right now right and that's the issue i feel like democrats got killed this election cycle was because you know people are sick and tired of of having of having of of institutions media institutions trying to shape their beliefs right uh trying to um how do i say uh dumb down stuff for them right being like oh you have to think this way and i'm gonna tell you these things this way i think the american people are smart enough to you know make their own decisions you know sometimes we'll agree with them sometimes they don't but this manipulation of information i think is the biggest issue we're facing right now and i'm actually very happy with the election results because i think people are starting to wake up to that yeah and i think look speaking like to your viewership that's conservative like i don't think like i don't think much will 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 change mm -hmm. with a uh, joe biden presidency i think his policies will be very very center because he's surrounding himself with with you know he's surrounding his cabinet is he's surrounding himself with like business people and people who are very have a lot of corporate interests right which is like not what you would expect from something like someone that is left-wing mm -hmm. right but um he uh you know he's gonna like people say he's gonna raise taxes a lot on you i mean unless you make more than four hundred thousand dollars a year you're not going to get your taxes raised and if you do make for more than four hundred thousand dollars a year your taxes will be raised very minimally unless you make more than a million dollars well actually the so, trump the trump ta tax cuts actually raised taxes for the top percent <laughs> that's what many people didn't realize did. i thought they i thought they well they also like gave a bunch of like tax breaks to to like they they give tax breaks to massive corporations and they businesses. they also did they also did but the thing about tax breaks and all that stuff is and i think this is where we get into more uh you know the actual important stuff which is the ideological uh differences in policy instead of the yeah, I think, the bickering and hammering yeah, that some of our politics yeah, I think this highlights uh, this highlights some of our differences in policy i mean we could go on and talk about it for for a long time but i mean i mean it's just yeah but who wants to hear our discussion about taxes <laughs> i mean it's, I think, it's simple I think, <laughs> I think i think i think you think that higher institutions should be taxed and i and i believe in supply side economics so that's that's yeah, that, that's I, our main difference that, that's yeah. our main mm -hmm. difference right and 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 we that's a whole nother hour-long discussion on that um because <laughs> yeah. it's definitely an interesting one and we can get into it but um it'll be interesting to see what happens man i'm i'm a like yeah. I said, as a conservative, I'm actually, I'm really happy with the 2020 election results. A lot of people were like, really? But like, you, you lost the presidency. And I was like, yeah, but did you see like the rest of the voting? Like the Republican Party is, and conservative ideology is strong. Like right now, the Republican yeah. Party doesn't have to do anything, doesn't have to do anything to keep on winning, winning uh, elections, right? All they have to do is mm -hmm. let the left, let, let the Democrats go more left. And and they'll do it for us, you know. They'll they'll uh, shoot themselves in the foot for us, right? I want to go more left. <laughs> you, that's yeah. that's that's fine. But the more you go left, the more you go into socialism, and that's and... where we disagree. That's where we disagree. But um, I mean, yeah, we 
yeah, that's very interesting points that you, you bring up. Um, I mean, Florida, yeah, I, vote, I, I, Florida voters left for socialism, and that's that's why they voted against it. Are you talking about Cubans? Yeah, and 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 Venezuelan oh, people, a, and I could talk about that a lot, a lot. What, oh, but, what? Uh, that, that form of socialism isn't the one you're talking about, right? That's what you're gonna tell me? No, no, I wasn't gonna. No. I just, yeah, no, no, no. I just, I mean, it's it, it's funny that people. I mean, for me, it's very funny that people think that Joe Biden is gonna be socialist. Oh, I it's don't think he is gonna be. Funny. I just think that that going more left. I just think that eventually we're gonna reach a left uh, wing you know, person that's, that's going to believe in socialism and run on socialism and they're going to lose, you know, cause they don't, cause, uh, you know, you, I mean, the, it's funny how, uh, I feel like with history, we, uh, you know, we've seen socialism in action yet socialists try to say that, uh, oh, it's never been fully tried. It's never been fully uh, done the way that actually has to be done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely like there's there's definitely like people tend to mesh together like the uh, uh, other like historically governments that have proclaimed to be socialist right but they're very authoritarian um which i think all of them have been uh mm-hmm. extremely authoritarian and socialist uh well i mean it's inherent it's I mean, inherent to a socialist government well by theory of definition it's socialism is exactly like the opposite of that right it's uh, my that's, that's why i'm saying in theory right in practice how it's been practiced is very yeah like authoritarian like but that's what we're getting to you know, though right yeah. what i said where in well, theory or in practice yeah. you're going to tell me that in well, theory it hasn't really done proclaim politicians like bernie sanders who tell you hey i'm a democratic socialist like they're not trying to take over pub- uh, like private institutions public make everything public tax everyone to death and um have bread lines right what people imagine i mean what what type of government they want they they envision it's the type of government you see like um in norway in france germany right very like democratic socialist that's what they call it democratic socialist because they have large social welfare programs right to accommodate for the most vulnerable in their society and that's what type of vision that they that they that's what they envision like that's their ideal form of government right in it's opposition fu- to yeah i mean but it, they it's don't fun- even, like, yeah no I, I get what you're saying and and to a certain extent you know that does uh you know those social programs um are important and and do have a place uh i think maybe the point we disagree is to what extent and to what extent uh of the cost to the american people I think it. I always find it really funny uh, whenever people point to you know the the Nordic countries for socialism. When uh, I think I, I'm get the countries mixed up, but I think it was either the president of Denmark or the president of Norway uh, on a trip to the U.S. He was like, "Stop saying we're socialist. We're not. You know." Yeah, they're not socialists. So it's it's one of those things where it's like, all right, like you can keep pointing to them, but even over there they say they're not right. So. Yeah. They have um, private businesses. They have everything. Just let any democratic. Well, it's because they call it democratic socialism. Just so people know. But any large welfare state has its a capitalistic framework. It's within the capitalistic framework. It's just a larger, larger welfare programs. 
Um, yeah, I think I think the the solution lies in uh, and and man, one of my uh, one of my great friends, he uh, he told me about it. Uh, not strictly capitalism, because that's not the answer. But there's a form. I want to say it's like uh, humanity capitalism or something like that. Um, I'm, I'm I honestly don't remember, but it's a lower form of capitalism that takes in part the you know the actual needs of 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 its people. I think that's where our solution lies, you know, where we still kind of hold uh, free and open markets, but still, you know, take care of, of our most vulnerable. Yeah, that's exactly their goal. Like their goal is to take care of the most vulnerable in society. And um, right. Like that's the goal of who? That, uh, like politicians like Bernie Sanders, like they just want to establish pro- like, that's their goal. I think the goal of many people is that, not just um, people. Yeah, but their ways, their ways, their ways of achieving it, though. That's I think that's our. Yeah, idea. yeah, that's that's the different. That's the difference in the way of achieving it. Some people believe less government, letting free markets accommodate for the needs of of everyone, and and like um, minimal regulations and and stuff. Some people believe that's a solution. I disagree, right? And many like other people disagree and many others agree right so i think that's just the people i think we need to get to this point where people just realize this right and get away from the talking points of like we're going to become a communist country or this country we're going to get into bread lines like that's not like that's not that's not what's at stake here what's at stake is either you have uh, the solution to it is more free markets or uh, larger social welfare programs, right? Well, I don't so, think it's a either or. I mean, yeah, right. There might be something in between, which is what we exactly what we have right now. I think it's a very it's a yeah. It's we have a lot of social welfare programs that are paid through our taxes, right? And and they're bankrupting the country. <laughs> well, not all of them. I mean, firefighters are like uh, very tax. That we we fund them through our taxes. Roads we fund those through our taxes. Other public uh, services though. Well, yeah, there's they can only be funded through our taxes. Like you can't. What what other way could you fund them? You can't let that free market like pay the firefighters. You can't let someone like no, a, no. like an that's, entrepreneur that's the, that's like the build the government. Road. It's it's the job of the government to provide that. Right, and like but... food stamps for the most vulnerable, like right. Um, government job programs right to get people to get a job or find a job right so that there's a lot of welfare programs that statistically in the research shows have been beneficial um to a lot of people uh to social mobility which i think is the goal of everyone right well as well there's a lot of there's a lot of research for you know supply side economics and you know uh which is uh, sometimes categorized as trickle down economics, where um, you let uh, business owners, either small business owners or large business owners, uh, keep more money in their pockets to pursue more entrepreneurial, uh, to have more entrepreneurial aspirations. And in turn, you know, that hires more people and, and that brings in more people into the, into the workforce, right? Because at the end of the day, um, it doesn't really help to have, uh, government created jobs that just have them you know shoveling something when you have actual 
uh, jobs that are innovating and creating new technology, which I think has led to the uh, economic prosperity that the U.S. has had, you know, to this point so far. And and I, I actually one of the one of the things that made the Trump presidency actually pretty good. Yeah. Um... Many points that you said there, right? Uh, <laughs> I acknowledge them. I, I like. I uh, I respectfully like disagree. I have a different point of view of of it. Um, I could talk about it a lot, but um, yeah, I, I I know we've been running long on time. Yeah. Right? Um, well, what we what we want to get down to is that of yeah. everything that we're saying, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. And that these uh, it's there's there's more things that unite us than divide us, and it's good to have this dialogue, right? It's good yeah. to have this dialogue um, to get to the bottom, like to get to what's fundamentally different, right? In our mm-hmm. perspectives, hearing what your perspective is on the issue, uh, and you hearing what my perspective is, and we can educate each other on exactly on a lot of issues and and like and like i said in the beginning you know you're gonna take something from this i'm gonna take from something from this the people listening are gonna you know form their own conclusions off of this and maybe agree with both of us agree with one of us think one of us is dumb either way uh it's important to have these conversations it's important to talk about these subjects and it's important to you know keep these lines of communication open right because it's it's through the civil discourse of ideas that uh will reach the goals that we're all trying to reach as as a country and and as a hu- as humans exactly and you know i really appreciate you having me eddie to like have this conversation because you know i know we used to discuss a lot of issues in, in high school especially during our, our senior year yeah. during our criminal justice class because yeah. we have several society or controversial issues like brought to the table yeah. and you know, we, we'd go back and forth and talk. And, um, but I feel like at that point, maybe we weren't ready yet to like have uh, a civil good conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad to see like we, we can, although we, we have differing perspectives, uh, we can come together to talk about them. Yeah, and, and these conversations only, uh, only uh, make us better either uh, either help us change our mind or help us hold our convictions better. And uh, I think that's, that's, uh, that's something important in, in civil discourse. So uh, Saul, I thank you for coming on, man. And uh, where can people find you? Where can people follow you? Uh, give us the whole rundown to get those, those, that follower number. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so feel free to follow me on Instagram um, at uh, S-A-U-L-L-V. Saul V. Um, yeah, I sometimes post uh, some very political stories. I mean, Eddie, you've seen them. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> if you're if you're not about that, like you don't have to follow me. But um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, thank you for having me again, Eddie. Like this, this is great. This was awesome, my man. I can't thank you enough for coming on, and uh, for everyone listening. I hope you guys uh, thought about some stuff you hadn't uh, thought of in a little bit, and maybe uh, opened up your mind to uh, both of our thoughts and. Uh, you know, I think Saul and I are both uh, large proponents of uh, critical thinking and, and forming and, and reaching your own conclusions, uh, especially in this in these polarized times. Uh, it's important to you know maintain free thinking. You know, think for yourself. Uh, don't let people tell you how to think. 
uh, I think uh, both of us are uh, representations of that. And uh, hopefully, you know, this discussion helped, uh, you know, fuel that uh, critical thinking. So uh, again, thank you, Saul, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Anything and Everything podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, this discussion. I know I did. And, you know, like I said in the in the episode itself, you know, I think uh, Saul and I, we both gained something from this. And I hope you guys gained something as well, you know, kind of uh, shedding a light on, on what's going on uh, in our country with, you know, having a lot of, you know, uh, not helpful rhetoric from uh, both sides of the aisle. So. Again, hope you guys enjoyed. I know this episode was a, a bit out there in terms of, you know, what we're used to doing, but I felt it was necessary and I felt it was necessary to to show that two people that can be seen as being on opposite ends can still come together and discuss and at the end of the day still hold respect for each other, still come out of it being friends, respecting each other. And and at the at the end of the day that's what matters, right? You know, I feel like a lot of days now uh, we end up dehumanizing each other and, and you know, casting false assumptions, right? And as you saw with this discussion, Saul and I, you know, it got heated at times. We, we went at each other, but, you know, we both know we come from a good place. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. And I, I, I strongly believe that that's where the future, uh, not only of, of our country, but of the world uh, lies, you know, with everything that's going on with uh, information and, and media and all that stuff, right? So again, uh, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, you can find us wherever you get your podcast. Uh, on uh, Instagram, we are the Any Every Pod. On Facebook, we are the Anything and Everything Podcast. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. So uh, thank you so much.